Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Football is back. Football is back, people. Welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks, and I'm joined by the Lassa Viba to my Neil Morpay. It's Justin Peach. Dare I say it? Doesn't even make sense. You keep saying this, but it <laughs> it does, doesn't it? Come on. Well, Morpay was Viba's replacement, so... And Morpay is a much better player than Lassa Viba. So you're saying I'm Morpay? No. I'm Neil Morpay. <laughs> Forget it. Anyway, the championship is back, people. It feels good. It feels right. First of all, we'd like to give a big thank you to everyone who's listened so far. We've Mm -hmm. had over 4,000 listens to the league table uh, predictions last week. And that's before a ball's even been kicked. When you consider we only started recording two months ago, Justin. And here we are. As I say, no ball has been kicked until this weekend. And... We've done all right, I think. People seem to be enjoying it so far. It's a steady start. We're Unless you're happy. a QPR fan. Unless you're a QPR fan. Yeah. Wigan yeah. fans are a bit... Yeah, yeah. QPR fans <laughs> right. So in this episode, we're going to be looking at the results, but there will be a little bit of transfer talk along the way. It must be pointed out, but you can't read too much into the season just yet. It is just one game, yep. um, even though QPR fans are acting like they've won the league. But we'll get onto them yeah. in a sec. Let's start off with the game we have just seen. It's Bristol City 1, mm-hmm. Leeds United 3. Pablo Hernandez, Patrick Bamford and Jack Harrison yeah. got the goals. The main thing I took away from this, Justin, was that Bristol City were really poor. They looked flat, didn't they? Mm. They got they, they kept trying to get the ball up to Jeju. No one was around him. It was all very long, quite pedestrian. Not what I expected, especially against a Leeds team. There, there are two ways I think teams played against Leeds: is you either press them as much as they press you, um, or you sit on the edge of the eighteen-yard box, yeah, um, and hit them on the counter. They did. They did neither. They didn't really put Leeds under any pressure, did they? And no. as you say, Jeju was just completely isolated throughout the whole game, and they didn't really create anything. Josh Brownhill, I think, had a chance at the end of the first half, but until Vyman scored. That was about it, really, wasn't it? It looked really comfortable for Leeds, and, and saying that as well, you know, I, I didn't think Leeds were probably anywhere near their best. So to play as well as they did and still be nowhere near their best is quite a frightening thought for the rest of the league. Yeah, we'll get on to Leeds in just a sec, because uh, we were quite, I don't know, optimistic about Bristol City yeah, we going into the new season. Because they have done good business, but we did say they have got the same team. Mm-hmm. They've now lost Adam Webster, officially, and that's a massive blow, isn't it? Because in that game that we've just seen, they looked like they really needed someone who could play out from the back. Yeah, absolutely. We said last week that 
Bristol City keeping Webster would have been their best bit of business in this transfer window. Definitely. Um, and obviously now he's gone, you can definitely see that that influence um, of him, you know, not being there. I thought Taylor Moore stepped up. Obviously nowhere near the quality of Webster, but the Bamford goal in particular, we were both saying. He, he was just stood there, wasn't yeah, he? He should have attacked it, and it was it was poor from him. But he's he's going to learn. He's still we're still relatively young for a defender. Sorry, for for a defender, but just well, for a pro really. Um, but the whole team looked looked poor. So. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if they replace Webster before the transfer window closes. Because mm-hmm. I'm not sure I'd be too confident with Taylor Moore just on that performance. Whether he'll be able to make the step up for the rest of the season. It'll it'll be interesting, won't it? Uh, you know, I think. They're not in the worst position. You know, they've got Nathan Baker as well. They've got Bailey Wright still. So there, there is cover um, at the back. Neither put... of them scream top six to me, though. Yeah, but they've still got a relatively decent back four. Oh, yeah, yeah. The, the back four is possibly Bristol's best asset. But yeah. at the same time, Webster just going is such a big blow for me. Uh, absolutely. But as we saw from the game today, the priority, I think, is getting a couple more attacking options. Um, for Bristol, because um, they're not they're not going to play Leeds every week, are they? No, no. Well, full credit to Leeds. Yeah. We've got to say they looked really comfortable. Even though I do agree with you, they possibly weren't even at their best. They weren't mm-hmm. in top gear, I don't think. No. Uh, but they really suffocated Bristol. Uh, one of the big blows that they have dealt with is that Kimo Roof didn't play, obviously, because he looks like he's heading out. Yeah. Um, how much of a blow is that if he does go? Again, it's an interesting one because neither him or um, Bamford were particularly prolific last season. No. Um, but what Roof gives Leeds is a, a good dimension in terms of their press. He is as relentless as that Leeds team. I don't think Bamford is uh, as effective as Roof in that sense. But then again, he's still a he's still a half decent striker at Championship level. I would, well, they were saying quite loudly on. Um, uh, during the game, that they're going, that they are looking for a striker and a, and a goalkeeper, so they are looking to replace Roof. Depends who they can get in at this point, because as I say, it's quite late in the window, so deals tend to be quite difficult to get done. Yeah, and Roof, point. as you say, he's such an important part to how mm-hmm. Leeds play as well. As you say, he did miss quite a few chances last season. Yeah, and he was quite, he was injured quite a lot as well. So, on reflection, it's it's not a bad deal for Leeds, but you sort of you want it to happen. You want you wanted this to go through two weeks ago, not now. Hmm. And we are talking about a fifteen goal striker from last season as well. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see who they get in if they do get anyone in. Yeah. Uh, but one positive is that new boy Ben White did not look out of place in their defence, and for me, is possibly one of the most impressive players in that yeah. Leeds team. He was exceptional. I was I was quite apprehensive, obviously, with Janssen leaving and Ben White coming in, but he looked comfortable. But then again, did Bristol really? Challenge him. I don't think. I don't think. He, I don't think they did. Um, but as, you know, not to take anything away from him, he was quality today alongside Cooper. Yeah. Let's move on to what goes down for me as the most impressive result of the weekend, mm-hmm. which is Barnsley beating Fulham. They yeah. won one nil after a goal from Luke Thomas. We'll talk about Fulham first because I feel like it's more of a shocking result for Fulham than it is an impressive result for Barnsley because. 
we obviously had Fulham and a lot of people have Fulham down as one of the key promotion candidates this season. But I did have a few questions about that team because outside of that front three, they look a bit suspect, don't they? Yeah, I mean, we've said the midfield still pretty decent. And obviously Harry Art is having a medical um, this weekend. Um, so, so, so the reports say. So they are looking to fix that. The defense though looks really shoddy, doesn't it? Just, just, just watching that goal back for Barnsley. It, it, the defending for it was was terrible, um, and it's sort of a, a bit of last season filtering into this season. The way they defended, and you know, hope that it might take a couple of games to get over that, but you don't, you don't get away with it in the championship, do you? No, no. As you say, Harry Alter does look like he's coming in for Kevin McDonald. I'm surprised it didn't happen sooner, to be honest, <laughs> because I wouldn't want Kevin McDonald in my midfield if I was going for a promotion. Would you agree? I don't know, because he's done it before, but he is a, he is a couple of years older from that from that season. Yeah, yeah. And he hardly played last season, really, at all, yeah. did he? But there is a bit of pressure on Scott Parker. From what I'm seeing, I mean, it is only one game into the mm-hmm. season, but I've seen a few fans criticising him and calling for his head already. Uh, it's a bit, it's a very similar situation to Darren Moore at West Brom, isn't it? I mean, we keep making this comparison, but it's hard to get away from it because it's an inexper- inexperienced manager mm-hmm. in charge of a side who have big expectations. I don't think they should even think about getting rid of Parker just yet, no. but at what point do you if they don't? Say, for example, they're outside the top six after 10 games. Would you be reviewing his position at that point? Uh, no, I, I wouldn't, to be honest, because as we know, um, we saw a league table from last year after five games and it looked nothing like it did. Yeah. Uh, by the end Bolton of the season, in third. Yeah, Bolton were third. Um, Norwich were down in 18th, 17th place. So. Yeah. It's yeah, ten games in. You start to you start to wonder around Christmas. Um, I don't think there's any chance of Scott Parker getting sacked anytime soon. You know, this it's, it's as I say, it's a, it's a long season, um, and it can be a tricky transition for relegated teams, especially ones that had such a leaky defence, very leaky defence, mm-hmm. and it still looks like it's a bit leaky now. But as you say, I, I don't expect Scott Parker to be gone anytime soon but that was he was probably my main concern when we were looking at the teams going for promotion this season because obviously that front three says speaks for itself doesn't it let's not take anything away from Barnsley Mm -hmm. though because they were favourites for relegation going into the season yeah we uh we didn't, we didn't agree with that. No, we fancy them to have quite a good season and they've gone and beat a side many were tipping for promotion and that's even without their top scorer from last season Mm -hmm. Uh, he Kiefer Moore looks like he's on his way out. We'll talk about him in a yeah. sec, but what a performance from Barnsley. Yeah, brilliant. Keeping a clean sheet as well against that front three. I know Knockout came on yeah. towards the end of the game. Um, obviously, Mitrovic, Cavalieri both started. Um, but yeah, to keep a clean sheet, the, the goal in particular was was um, a quality goal from Luke Thomas. It was, you know, to, to rush down and harry the defender as, as much as he did and then have the composure to just slot it in. But he had so much time to, to, to pick and choose Way what he wanted yeah, to pick and choose what he wanted to do. So, you know, the composure there from a from a lad who's not played championship football. Yeah. You, you say it's impressive how well the defence did. It's even more impressive when you consider only one of that back five <laughs> last season, that's including the goalkeeper, was at the club last mm-hmm. season. 
So Daniel Stendhal's done a fantastic job, hasn't he? Yeah, absolutely. To to obviously, I, I imagine when the fixtures come out, you see Fulham. Um, Shit yourself. Yeah, you, you sort of worry because of the, <laughs> the squad they had anyway is like, Christ, like the amount of money these players are on are going to absolutely dwarf the the money that the Barnsley guys are on. Oh yeah. So yeah. even even just looking at it from that point of view, like crikey. Um, you sound like a typical tabloid newspaper whenever there's an FA Cup match. Oh, look how much this team spent compared to this team. Let's be honest, like Mitrovic's week, my monthly wage is going to be... Oh, yeah, it must be about yeah, the same as the whole Barnsley, the Barnsley team. Squad, so. Not far off, anyway. But, yeah, Luke Thomas, as you say, scored on his debut after joining from Derby. We were quite... I, I, don't, I don't know the word. We, we, it was an interesting transfer, it's wasn't weird it? One. Weird, weird one. Weird one, yeah, yeah. Because Derby seemed to rate him quite highly, but then they've gone and let him go for a million quid. So he's now been given this chance at the championship level. And, I mean, it's one game, but it'll be interesting to see how he does for the next few games. I guess it's the same with Malik Wilkes, because he probably outperformed Luke Thomas last season in League One. He was was great for uh, Doncaster, and obviously Leeds were happy to let him go. They get a, a fairly decent fee for him, as did Derby for Luke Thomas. Um, they both get first team football at a club that pushes younger players on and yeah. to, to to better things really. And there's no expectations really either. Yeah, there's, is there? there's low expectations, so they can go out there and perform. Um, so it's, I think we've mentioned it already. It's a good move for everybody. Absolutely. Let's move on to one of the games of the weekend. Wigan. They beat Cardiff three two. Goals from Michael Jacobs, Josh Windass, and Lee Evans. What a brilliant result for Wigan. Yeah, definitely. Again, beating one of the favourites to go back up um, to to well to score three goals against a, a Cardiff team in the Championship is is a pretty nifty feat. Um, some of the goals Wigan scored as well were were were, were quality. Oh yeah, um, and it looked like it seemed like Cardiff were quite quite below the usual the usual selves. Yeah, well, it was a fairly even game and Wigan were probably just slightly the better side. Mm. Uh, Joe on Twitter says it wasn't a surprise at all for him. We're just doing what we do best, which is proving people wrong, like us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we might have had Wigan in the bottom three in our league table predictions, but it is only one game. So, yeah, not, sure. Let's not forget that. Uh, Josh Windass was the main attacking threat mm. for Wigan. Him and Nick Powell both played in the same position last season. Yeah. So, with Powell now gone, Windass will, I imagine, appreciate being the main man in his position and I could see him being crucial to their success this season. Yeah, absolutely. He's always been an interesting player because at times he played up front for Wigan last season when they were, I think they had one striker at one point. He's played, he's played just about everywhere in that front yeah. line for Wigan last season. Um, and obviously Paul Cook, you know, he knows how to get the best out of a, a pretty small squad. Um their home record has always been very, very good. So I'm mm. not particularly surprised that they got a result against Cardiff at home. Um, more surprised that they scored three goals against them. Um, but as you say, yeah, Josh Windass is going to be a, a big player for, for Wigan. Especially now Nick Powell's gone, he's got to step up. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you mentioned the home form then. We need to see, before we really judge Wigan, how their away form was. Because as we know, it was absolutely terrible last mm-hmm. season. They only got two wins away from home, didn't Scary they? So, days, yeah. yeah. So, <clears throat> if they do want to stay up, I imagine wins like this at home will be the bedrock of their season. But 
We'll have to see if the uh, mm-hmm. away form has slightly improved. Uh, speaking of signings, Jamal Lowe has come in. Good he, Yeah, very good signing. Yeah, we're big. Yeah, yeah, we're both big fans of him, yeah. aren't we? Uh, he came on as a sub. I, I, I did say on Twitter I expected him to go to a bigger side. What I probably meant was I expected <laughs> him to go to a better side. Uh, but it is a quality. <laughs> okay. Either way, I think it's a compliment to Wigan that they've managed to bring in a player mm-hmm. who I would have expected to go to a team probably in the top ten. Competing in the top ten comfortably. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's probably a better way of saying it. Yeah. Okay. Fair, fair enough. Uh, either way, it's a quality sign, and we both think we're both big fans Absolutely. of him, as we say. Yeah. Uh, they're also looking like they're about to get Kiefer Moore in mm-hmm. from Barnsley, who yeah. we were just talking about a second ago. It's going to be an interesting one because Joe Garner played yesterday and actually did quite well, but mm. it's going to be interesting to see how Kiefer Moore fits in there. Well, he's, he's a focal point, isn't he? And he, it's a focal point for for that Wigan attack. We were saying, I think, when we did the predictions that what Wigan were lacking was one, a focal point and two, delivery you know, in the wide areas. They've now yeah. brought in Jamal Lowe and um, Dujon Sterling. Yeah. Um, so that's two. That right-hand side is looking very healthy. Absolutely. Um, I mean, Lowe can play on the left as well. Well, there you go, yeah. So. The, 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 the wide area is looking healthier than they did a week ago when we originally made the predictions. Mm. Um, and now they've got a focal point, whether or not Kiefer Moore can do it in the championship because he's always been... There or thereabouts, he's never really hit the heights in the championship. Yeah, um, uh, but I think I've mentioned it before when I saw him play it for Ipswich, he was absolutely dreadful. Yeah, he was he's six foot six, wherever he is, and did not win a header. Mm. He was awful, yeah. but then he's obviously made that step down and looks good. But let's talk Cardiff because I looked at this Cardiff side who started the game, mm. and I'm a bit concerned because it doesn't look too strong. They've I'm t- I'm, uh, the midfield in particular looks weak to me. Uh, it's only one game, so we won't overreact just yet. But I'm not sure I see a Cardiff team challenging for promotion if their midfield for the season is going to be Joe Rawls, Will Volks and Bobby Reid. Because when you when you play that the way Cardiff do, mm-hmm. they need a good spine. Yeah, And that spine for me looks a bit shaky. You, you say that, but Joe, Joe Rawls is... A very good player at this level. Yeah, yeah, he is. Will Volks is... He showed last season that he's capable of playing at this level. It's hard to tell... For, for a top team, though? For a top team, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's hard to... Well, he was it. part of a relegated Rotherham team last season. Yeah, but it's not just him carrying the team, is it? He pretty much did at times. Well, they, <laughs> there you go. They've, they've, they've got an outstanding player. And then Bobby Reid. What's your excuse for him? I I'm I'm a fan of Bobby Reid. I think his movement and ability to get in goal scoring positions is is, is great. Obviously, his, his chance conversion has got to be a lot better. Yeah. Um, as we saw yesterday. Um, but I, I've looking at Cardiff. I think they're more they're, they're well equipped to to challenge for promotion this season. Yeah. Without you know, taking the first game out of the out of the. Well, when I saw Gary Medine starting, I wasn't <laughs> too excited. Well, yeah, so but she... but they are getting they have brought in Robert Glatzel, mm-hmm. who have signed from FC Heidenheim. Yep. How much do you know of Robert Glatzel from his time at FC Heidenheim? I know he scored a hat trick against Bayern Munich. Oh, did he? He did. Fantastic. <laughs> well, you know more than me, then. The, 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 as you know, we we allude to the the day guys quite a lot. Um, obviously, 
they're, they're very good at picking players and Robert Glatzel was one they were they were hyping about and yeah some um, people seem to be very excited about him if the if they if they say that he's good then I'm going to put them side with them pretty yeah. much because they've been right about pretty much yeah. everything yeah absolutely uh, it was good to see big Omar Bogle well, I, said, I said to you and he scored I was like uh, what <laughs> I, I, I could list all of their strikers and I'd still forget Omar Bogle yeah yeah but he, he's looking well and I'm hoping he plays lots for Cardiff this season because it's always a pleasure to see big Omar Bogle on the pitch. <laughs> Forest 1, West Brom 2. Carl Edwards and Matt Phillips got the goals mm-hmm. for West Brom. We'll talk about them first because they absolutely dominated this game. Yeah. Uh, Romain Sawyers in particular was just in control yeah, throughout. He was, he was ridiculously good. He did what he did best and... Yeah, as you say, controlled the game. Yeah, West Brom fans were obviously very excited about signing him for what's a pittance, really. For a player of his quality, absolutely. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. And he just shows how how good he is during that game. Um, Forrest didn't really have too much of a say in the game, particularly. And no. I think mainly, I'm going to put this down to a masterclass from Slaven Bilic. Yeah, I think they were. That ten minutes aside, that first ten minutes where Forrest just came out of the blocks, that you know, I thought this was going to be, a, mm. you know, Forrest all the way. They looked, they looked unbelievable, and then West Brom grew into the game, and they looked more and more comfortable throughout. They nullified pretty much every Forrest threat. I think Joe Lolly, probably easy to say, Forrest's best attacker. He went off the, he went off after about seventy minutes. So that sort of tells you quite a lot. Of how West Brom controlled the game. Yeah, yeah, and they've got they had a good mix of uh, youth and experience in that team. And I'd probably say before we just watched the Leeds game, West Brom were probably the promotion contenders I've seen that were the most impressive. Yeah, and eighteen-year-old Nathan Ferguson made his debut at right back, and he looked very good. He looked brilliant, yeah, yeah, he, and he... I'd probably go as far to say he might end up starting ahead of Darnell Furlong this season. Um, they've just brought him from QPR. Yeah, judging by his um, his debut, he looked composed, assured. He was getting forward. Um, you know, he didn't have. He, and as you say, he was up against Joe Lolly. Yeah, and Joe, Joe and Lolly had nothing on him. Yeah, there's Joe Lolly, uh, Joe Lolly, and Albert Adoma, who's a seasoned Championship player. Yeah, you know, it's it's a pretty big step up, and he and he handled it really well. Yeah, uh, Philip Kravinic also made his debut after joining from Benfica. He, he looked, looked quite tidy. good as he well. My main concern then for West Brom on what was probably a game where there weren't too many concerns, well, the Kenneth Sahol didn't look too good. Yeah, again, I said to you, he looked, he headed everything, even things that he could have chested down. He he nodded with his head. Whether yeah. or not that's rustiness, obviously he's not played. He's not really played a lot of games over the last two, not since that spell where he scored. 12 and 25 yeah he's not he's not played a lot um, so I'd, I'd you'd hope that's just rustiness yeah I, I'm i not too convinced by Zahor still especially when Albion play, uh, paid 8 million quid for him as well mm. so it, it, interesting to see how he gets on throughout the season let's talk Forest. the game was perhaps a bit overshadowed well Forrest's performance I should say it was a bit overshadowed by R.O. Murich, the goalkeeper, yeah. who didn't have a great game on his debut. The first goal was a clanger, 
and then he got lobbed for the second goal. I, I didn't think that was really his fault, though, the second goal. The second one is, is I know everyone's going to say it, it's a bit of a freak goal because Matt Phillips just puts his foot through it. He miskicks the cross and it dips. It's gone It's gone in the place where he had no chance no, of doing anything about it's it. It's slightly to his right-hand side and it's right under the crossbar. So mm. he's, he's got to do a lot to get to it. And I know, I know it looked like he pulled his hand away, but he, well, he probably did. He probably thought it was going to go over. Yeah. But that's how quick it dipped. I think even if he had a straight arm, he wouldn't have got anywhere near it. No, he was nowhere near it. No. Was nowhere near it. I mean, he's still a young keeper and he's very highly rated at Man City. He mm-hmm. played nearly all of their games in the Carabao Cup last season. Yeah. So he should turn out to be a decent keeper and a decent signing for Forrest this season. As you say, they started the game like a house on fire for the first 10 minutes yeah. and then for really poor for the rest yeah, of the game. Just faded. Uh, and one question mark that I had was that Forrest with... Their squad of, what, 34 players plus. or whatever it is? 34 plus. Yeah. And they still started Ben Watson. Yeah. Uh, it, it was a bit of a surprise, but then if you've got players like Thiago Costa and Semedo who are coming in who haven't had any championship experience, perhaps playing Ben Watson in there, they look they, they really needed someone like a Romain Sawyers, though, for to me. To control the game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You've got to bear in mind that Carvalho, he was injured. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he's he's really that creative spark in that Forest team. Yeah. Then I'd say Thiago Costa didn't look anywhere near the quality. Yeah, he. I don't think I completely forgot he was on the pitch. Yeah, I was. I was. I was. He just fouled people really. Um, yeah. I was. I was quite impressed with Semedo. He's. Yeah. Just he got the, he carried the ball. Perhaps his decision making's got to be a bit better when he gets to that final third, but. I think he can. He's one that can grow into the season and be a be a standout player for Forest, especially in that middle. Yeah, he had a decent few moments, didn't he? Mm-hmm. It's just flashes of brilliance, really. Yeah. Uh, so interesting to see how they get on. Uh, one of the many other surprise results from the weekend: Blackburn one, Charlton two. Ben yeah. Burrington and Lau Taylor yeah. got the goals. Uh, Charlton ended last season with a hilarious own goal and started this season with a hilarious own goal. <laughs> yeah, it looked like, from the angle when I first saw it, it looked like he, did, he just headed it in, but he headed it against the keeper and it just... Oh, yeah, it's brilliant. Which own goal was funnier? Um, you've got to say the one at Wembley, just because it's at Wembley. Oh, you're harsh. That, that could have been... It could have been. Soul-crushing. But it didn't. It all worked out. But I mean, both of them worked out. So I fair guess, play. Yeah, maybe maybe that's Charlton's tactic this season. Score a hilarious own goal and then win a game. Yeah. 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 Might work. Yeah, we'll have to see how how hilarious the next own goal is. We didn't give much chance to Charlton stay up this season, but no. this is a pretty impressive result. Aware it's a team that many people are tipping to be dark horses this season. Yeah, yeah I mean going away to Ewood Park, um, it is a pretty difficult ground to go and get a result. Um Blackburn have invested quite heavily, I think, over the last couple of transfer windows. Mm. They brought in some decent players, um, and Charlton, as we as we know, are threadbare. But they still managed to pull off a, a an absolutely barnstorming result. Absolutely, and it's got to be said, Charlton didn't really get going until they actually scored the first goal. But mm. second half, they were much the better team. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I had a few question marks about uh, Lyle Taylor um, before the season started, just because only it was only because. He's not played at the champion at championship level before, but he did score uh, yesterday. Even though I'm not sure he had too much influence on the goal. He knew what he was doing with that. He has literally moved it 
what, two degrees or so from where it was initially going. He's a goal scorer. He knows how to score goals. He okay. did that on purpose. I'll take your word for it. Deal with it. We'll see how he gets on uh, throughout the season. Uh, Blackburn then. Uh, Dom on Twitter says Blackburn have the same defence as last season and it's the same problems. We're playing someone at right back who isn't a right back. S8 Rover on Twitter says they should finish in the top six this season. They could finish in the top season, top six this season, I should say. But if they don't sort out the defence, then they could end up in the bottom six. Mm-hmm. Brio on Twitter says they'll finish in the same place as last season if their defence doesn't improve. So what do you think Black- Blackburn need to strengthen? Strikers. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, their defence is a bit of a state, isn't it? When you consider Mm -hmm. the rest of the team looks pretty well-rounded and then the defence is just a bit of a shambles. It's been a recurring theme throughout pre-season. Blackburn fans have said repeatedly that defence needs a bit. And bringing in Sam Gallagher, um, Downing and Johnson... Perhaps Mowbray has neglected the defence. He might be taking it for granted a little bit. You know, playing a, a right winger at right back isn't a good solution. No. When has that ever worked? No. I think the main concern is Charlie Mulgrew and his ever ageing legs because he. Mulgrew scores goals. <laughs> well, yeah. Set pieces. Yeah. <laughs> but he. They need to replace him, don't they? I mean, the whole defence really well, is the, just not in a great state. They at tend the moment. to, yeah. They, I mean, they tend to buy young attacking players um, for a lot of money, but as I say, they just they completely ignored the defence. Yeah, it's it is a surprise. Um, you'd hope that Batburn do bring in another centre half because Lenahan is a, is a young player, is a good player, but I know obviously some, some Blackburn fans have already said that he's like it's getting worse. Well, yeah, it, it, it might be a case of that he's looking, his performances look like they're getting poorer because he's just surrounded by players that aren't at his standards. Yeah. So it's hard to say, really. Uh, the other question mark that I had was, why didn't Joe Rothwell start? Because he's one of the most talented mm-hmm. players in the team. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it, I mean, it's the first game of the season. I think the only reason why people are getting angry about it is because they lost to a, a Charlton team that had about 12 players at the start of yeah. the season. But when you've got Stuart Downing on the wing instead, you've got to question why Mowbray's done that. I mean, I I, I said that Downing on the wing is probably the, the best place for him um, just because you know, the amount of crosses he can get into the box for two absolute lumps of strikers in Graham and Gallagher. Um, but, you know, it's obviously not quick. Uh, no, no, he's definitely not. Let's move on to Stoke QPR then. Joe, uh, Hugo <laughs> and Eberechieze uh, got the goals mm-hmm. for QPR. Let's talk Stoke first because um, Stoke were one of the many teams that people were tipping to have a quite good season after the business they've yeah. done in the summer, but they did not play well at all. And the goal was their only shot on target. Three wins in 22 games now for Nathan Jones yeah. at Stoke. And even though it's only the first game of the season, Stoke fans still don't seem too convinced by him. Um, but I've, just before we started recording, I mentioned that Guy Rowett had a better record after 22 games than Nathan Jones. And Guy Rowett was really popular at Stoke. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
it's I'm surprised that given the the preseason that he's you know he's had a preseason to deal with him he's brought in his own players that they still defended like the Stoke team of last season and the season four etc. The, the goals they conceded were really poor. Mm. Um, I get as I say I'm, I'm just really surprised that they played as poorly as they did. They didn't create anything obviously. They defended poorly. It's just the Stoke of old. Yeah, that yeah, we know very well. The, the thing is with Nathan Jones, he. Start. He started slowly at Luton, and yeah. I feel like you need to give him time before mm-hmm. he can really show how good a coach he actually is. Um, with I'm, I'm thinking of Norwich last season, they started off slowly, yeah. and suddenly they were flying up the table. I'm not saying mm-hmm. Stoke are going to do the same thing, but I, I wouldn't be advising Stoke fans call for his head just yet. I think the the main worry for Stoke is the goals that they conceded um, were carbon. I wouldn't say carbon copy, but well, the first one was Butland going AWOL. Yeah, it's Butland in the centre half. Like Jordan Hugel's got a lot of time to get on the end of that shot, and it's an open goal. Like yeah. he's he's been he's, he's he's got that goal without any difficulty really. Um, and then the second goal, it's a good play by QPR, and then. Um, He's there just just breeze breeze through them. Yeah. To, again, too easy. So. Yeah. Well, they played with a four four two diamond, which is what we kind of expected from how they were playing mm-hmm. in preseason. Uh, Benic Phoebe and Sam Rokes were up front, but they were pretty ineffective. I think is a nice way of saying it. Well, one shot on target. Yeah. <laughs> well, only three of their new signings started, and I, I think it's a case of we shouldn't judge Stoke too much no, yet. They, I, Again, I, I I just said it. the The main worry for Stoke is it's the Stoke that we know, not a Nathan Jones Stoke. Yeah, um, and it's not a Nathan Jones team um, yet, yet. But you know, it's, there's a there's a lot of expectation at Stoke, so he's he's got to get it right. Mm-hmm. But let's move on to the winners in the game. It's the 2020 Championship title winners, QPR. Um, let me give a bit of context here because when we put QPR in the relegation zone last week in our predictions, QPR fans were not happy no. whatsoever. And we've been getting pelters all week, basically. Mainly me, because I was just ripping into their signings. Yeah, you, you tore them into a bit. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I had them to finish just outside the relegation zone in my own predictions yeah but I can't disagree with them potentially going get, going down and there's an overall consensus that amongst other um, people in football that they, they, they are going to struggle yeah but you can't take it away from their game yesterday because the, especially the second goal the way they knocked it about with confidence um, was, was, was really promising and we said we even said in our predictions last week that Mark Warburton is a key factor in QPR battling to stay up because he's a, he's a very good coach um, we're just a tad worried about the players that they brought in to replace the players that have gone yeah there's no denying that the Eze goal was absolutely quality mm-hmm. he'll be an important player for them this season he's quality yeah he only scored four last season and had more shots than any other player who scored fewer yeah. than five goals that, you're going to get that from a raw young player though yeah yeah and he's being asked to take chances in a QPR team which is struggling mm-hmm. And I think he's going to struggle this season as well. I'm still not convinced by them. And let's be honest, it's one game, all right? 
QPR fans, as soon as they beat Stoke yesterday, a Stoke team who won three in 22 games, they're acting like they've just won the league. All right. Let's, they, they, I, they, I just want to make this clear. It's one game, right? Let's not get ahead of ourselves. And let's see how you're doing after 10 games. And then maybe I'll scoot back a bit and say, OK, fair enough. This QPR team is better than I thought it was going to be. But it's one game and I've got so many people atting me on Twitter <laughs> saying, That's oh, you're absolutely wrong. Oh, this has gone well, mate, hasn't it? And stuff like that. Come on, guys. Um, give just, it a rest. By the way, if any QPR fans haven't yet um, commented, it's at Dilksy Matey. Yeah, and just to finish off my little rant on QPR, I still expect them to finish in the bottom six. Because they look like a bottom six side, especially from the team that I saw yesterday. Uh, but well done on beating. Uh, OK, I'm going to stop there. <laughs> uh, Brentford-Birmingham. This was a bit of a surprising game, but at the same time... It was one-sided. Birmingham were great. They dominated, <laughs> didn't they? Yeah, Birmingham absolutely <laughs> dominated the game with their one shot in 90 minutes, which was, in fairness, an absolutely unbelievable header from Christian Pedersen yeah. from outside the box. First of all, you don't see too many headers from outside I, the box. Yeah, I can't remember it. Especially when the goalkeeper is on his line as well. I've seen headers from outside the box where the keeper's booted it against the player's head or something like mm-hmm. that. But this was absolutely unbelievable from Christian Pedersen. From a left back. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Harry on Twitter says, Birmingham showed grit and stayed mm-hmm. compact, which will make them tough to break down this season. Uh, people are writing us off, but we'll prove them wrong. I'm not sure I can be as positive as he is after they shit-housed Brentford. Because they Brentford really should have won, shouldn't they? They had 15 yeah. shots to Birmingham's one. They had 76% possession. Ollie Watkins hit the woodwork three times. Mm-hmm. Mark Andesler missed a couple of one-on-ones. This might not be correct, but I'm pretty sure... The player who hit the post the most last season, or hit the woodwork the most last season, was Bradley Dack, I think, and he hit the woodwork six times. Ollie Watkins has done that in, in one, one match. One game. You, I mean, you hope it doesn't happen too often because he's not going to get many goals, is he? If he keeps uh, the ball, no, but... no, definitely not. Uh, he played up front, and they sorely miss Neil Morpay, who it, looks yeah. like he might be heading out the door. It was clear they missed the. A central figure. Yeah, because um, Watkins usually plays on the wing, doesn't mm-hmm. he? Um, if Morpay does go, that is a huge blow, isn't it? Yeah, well, the thing is they brought in another winger. His name eludes me. Um, Valencia. Yeah, but they're also in the process of completing another transfer for a winger. Um, which They've got a lot of wingers already. It's really, making me think that maybe Watkins is going to play down the middle, but he's not as prolific as Mope, or even when Lasaviva was there, he wasn't. He's not as prolific as Lasaviva either. Um, I don't think Ollie Watkins is the answer to play down the middle. They need a central figure, mm. um, especially if they're going to finally, finally go up. Yeah, um, they look a little bit weaker. Yeah, definitely. I'm not convinced Morpay is definitely off yet. A lot of the press seem to think it's a done deal. But yeah. from what I saw, uh, Brighton looked like his most likely destination. But both sides seem to disagree on a transfer fee by quite a distance as well. But we'll have to see how that pans out. Uh, Brentford were also missing side Ben Rama, 
who yeah. I was talking very highly yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he was missing through injury. Mm-hmm. But if they replace more pay and, and put away their chances for me, they'll still be in the mix. No, absolutely. Um, but I think games like that, especially against teams like Birmingham, who are very structured, resolute, hard to break down. I say hard to break down. You know, they hit the water three times. Yeah. But you need strikers, you know, who's to say Mope wouldn't have put one of them chances away, one of the one-on-ones that Marc Andes had. So, so some of the chances are sore. I think he definitely would have put away. Yeah. But uh, We've got to give Birmingham credit because they've oh, walked definitely. away from three with three points from one of the hardest places to go this season. Uh, it is hard to judge them on this game, though, isn't it? Uh, Sunjic, the Croatian who they've signed for £6 million or £7 million, uh, he didn't start, but I feel like they might be a bit more expansive when he actually gets into the team. You'd, you'd hope so. I mean, it's it's an away game against Brentford. You're not going to see much of the ball, are you? No. So it, to to come away from there with a with a win, it, it's a it's a huge bonus. Yeah. Like you, you're going to go there and expect to you know hopefully come away with a draw just because of how well Brentford play at Griffin Park. Absolutely. So to come away with a win and a clean sheet, it's it's quality. Yep, let's move on. Reading 1, Sheffield Wednesday 3. Kadeem Harris, Sam Hutchinson and Lucas Joao got the goals for Wednesday. And But this game wasn't as one-sided as the scoreline suggests. Reading had more possession and shots, but that pretty much tells the story of Reading, really, doesn't it? Well, it's a team full of youngsters. Um, we saw a lot of last season what Jose Gomez brought in, which was controlled possession. So as you say, yeah, it pretty much tells tells the story. Yeah, Mate was the standout player for Reading. He scored mm-hmm. their only goal. Uh, but this one, a great start to a season where they are relegation candidates. The defence wasn't fantastic, which is ironic considering last week we were saying yeah. their defence is probably <laughs> their strongest area of the pitch. Mm. A few facken, a few fackens, few fans reckon uh, Matt Miazga wasn't match fit. Um, and Jao Virginia didn't have a great debuting goal either. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, full credit to Wednesday at the end I of the mean, day. They were reduced to 10 men as well. It's got to be pointed out. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They've had such a disrupted pre-season. You know, it's probably more so disrupted than the next team who has had a disrupted pre-season in Derby. And, and Charlton, they, you know, the way the Steve Bruce situation handled it, uh, sort of played out, was was absolutely horrendous for, for Wednesday. Um, so to, for them to get a result, you know, sort of relatively happy for them um, because for Lee Bullen's come in who has been caretaker manager I think for the, he's now there for the third time you know this might go a long way into convincing the owners that he might be the right man yeah I was going to ask do you think he should get the job I mean it's one game it's yeah, hard to say it's, it's one game but to go away to Reading on the I mean what we've seen with results like Charlton and um, and Barnsley's Teams that you don't expect to win, win uh, they won. Um, and Reading have got a, a fairly youthful team who should have no fear really. And to go there and get a result again with the preseason they had was was such a good, you know, credit credit to Lee Bullen to for, for, for um, organising the team to to get that result. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Wednesday fans do want a more experienced name, but I think we were both saying last week. We think this Wednesday team could potentially finish in the top six if they get the right man, can't they? They they've got that potential. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, absolutely. They've got they've got some quality players, and you know, my 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 main man Kareem Harris, you know, got the first goal. So you love him so much. He's, he's such a he's a such an underrated player. <laughs> such an underrated player. Uh, Millwall won. Pr- 
Preston nil. Jed Wallace with the goal. It wasn't I th- a header. You what, sorry? It wasn't a header. What, Jed Wallace? Oh, you mean Mowell. <laughs> right, OK. <laughs> score a header. <laughs> I think we might have underestimated Millwall a bit in our league table. Um, I, I was quite complimentary of Millwall. I don't think they should be seen as... Relegation candidates. Ca- no, I think they'll probably stay up, but they're not going to... Triple the top half. Yeah. yeah. Um, OK, that's fair. They've they recruited so well um, this window. They lost, I say they lost a lot of players. They let a load of players go um, and replaced them. Yeah, well, they comfortably beat Preston, really. Mm-hmm. And Preston, uh, one of the teams many people were tipping to do well this season. Ben Thompson in midfield looks the real deal and the defence looks really solid. Well, yeah, Ben Thompson is carrying on his form from last season. So, you know, he looked good in um, the Millwall team when he came from. He came from Portsmouth, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and, you know, a Millwall defence at the Den is always going to be solid. Oh, absolutely. Uh, Bart Bielkowski has joined from Ipswich. Yep. I... I'm a massive fan of him uh, from my days of when I used to watch Ipswich, when I used to work down there. He single-handedly saved uh, (laughs) points for Ipswich and he's not the greatest with his feet or coming out for crosses, but he is a goalkeeper and he saves shots. And I'm very excited to see some of the world he saves that he pulls off at Millwall. That's if he is the uh, number one. Uh, ahead of Frank Fielding. Preston, though, pretty poor. 63% possession, but only one shot on target. And they didn't really endanger the Millwall goal at any point. Um, I think that's more so credit to Millwall. They're, again, similar to the Birmingham result, they're, they're always going to concede possession. But you'd expect better from them, wouldn't you? Um, I guess, but Preston, all, they always start slow. They always start slow. Going back a couple of seasons now. Last um, season, they started slow as well. Yeah, they started very slow last season. Um, again, it, it's a hard place to go. The Den, first game of the season. Um, You're full of stereotypes today, aren't you? I'll just throw cliches. Them out. But Millwall scored with their feet, so there you go. There broken, you go. broken the stereotype. Uh, it's been a decent week for Preston, though, because they have signed Tom Bayliss. I think we're we're both big fans of him, aren't we? He's yeah. a very exciting player, and I'd say he's one of the most promising midfielders in the EFL. A midfield of Tom Bayliss, Ben Pearson, and oh, Alan Brown is just going to stop be it. unreal. Um, that's that that just sounds like one of the best midfields in the in the championship. It's a sexy midfield, isn't it's, it? It's almost perfect. You have got Ben Johnson, uh, sorry Ben Pearson, kicking people and giving them like spraying balls. Alan Brown, oh, Ben Pearson, no. <laughs> uh, Alan Brown scoring goals and um, Tom Bayliss, you know, dictating play. So. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Swansea two, Hall one. Uh, Swansea came back from a goal down. Uh, Boya Baston, where's he been? <laughs> Scored his first goal in three years. Completely forgotten man. What, Swansea? Yeah, and it's got to be said, they have just lost Ollie McBurney, which is a massive blow. But could Baston fill his boots? I mean, they paid a substantial fee for him in the when they back when, when the, fifteen million was it? Yeah, when they were in the Premier League, which was a long time ago. Yeah. Um, so they're obviously utilising him. I when I saw a picture of his shirt. And I was like, I don't know who this guy is. Oh, wait, it's him. Oh, it's that guy. Because um, he's, you know, he's been out on loan for a, for a full year. Um, so you, you know, he's obviously got pedigree if they paid that much money for him in the first place, and he he took his goal really well. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, very impressive performance by Swansea, actually. The underlying, underlying data uh, says they were unlucky not to score more, really, especially in the second half. It's just a Swansea team, isn't oh, it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we said all Steve Cooper had to do was carry on what Graham Potter was doing from last season. Easier said than done. It is easier said than done, but this is definitely a good start, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. It's Swansea seemed to go under the radar a bit. Um, they sort of were quite quiet last season and then the noise started to, to come when they were getting closer to the playoffs. didn't quite happen. Um, and I think I expect them to do the same this season, really. Um, they're, they're such a good football inside and they're well coached and they seem to have recovered a lot better um, from relegation than other teams like Stoke have. So Yeah, well, maybe it's just a case of getting rid of the high earners really want it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hall then, N Whittingham on Twitter says, Hall worked hard in the first half and then tied themselves out. We need to maintain that initial level. Uh, we can't. I don't think we can read too much into this game really because I think Swansea will be really tough to beat at home this season. Yep. Uh, Tom Eves didn't start after joining from Gillingham in the summer. But... I think Hall will improve when he starts playing regularly. Yeah, he's a, he's a goal scorer. Uh, he showed that in the two years, in the last two years at Gillingham. Um, he's a focal point for the attack, um, and I think you know Hull, Hull have got a, a really good player on their on their hands. And the more he plays, I think the better attack, the, the better attacking that the Hull will be. Yeah, absolutely. Let's move on to the game that was on Friday night. An absolute barnstormer of a game. Luton three. Six <laughs> goals. Luton three, Borough three. Sonny Bradley and Lewis Wing with the pick of the goals. I mean, first of all, it was great to see Kenilworth Road back in the championship. Oh, it's, it's, I've, I've been there a couple of times and it's. I've only been, I've only been there when it's cold. It's my favourite ground in the championship. Without doubt. Yeah. If you haven't been to Kenilworth Road at any point, please go. It is amazing. It's, it's and it's not going to be there for much longer either. No, no, no. Wooden seats as well, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, in places. It's, it's brilliant. Uh, but what a game to kick off the season. Two wonder goals, goalkeeper clanger, and an absolutely dreadful penalty oh, <laughs> from a somber longer. Lewis Ring Screamer. Beautiful goal. Could end up being Borough's best player this season. I I said this. Uh, he's going to be a big player um, this season for Borough. He's, he's good on the ball. He's composed. Everything... That Borough needed last season. Um, he was the most influential player in yeah. that game, Monty, and I think he had the second most touches in the whole game, which isn't a surprise he's, whatsoever. Yeah, he's a player you want to get on the ball. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what did you make of Borough in Jonathan Woodgate's first game in charge then? A far cry from last season. Firstly, yeah. scoring goals, and secondly, looking a little bit shaky at the back. Yeah, they, they the players looked like they had a bit more freedom. That's I think that's that's the main thing you've got to take away from this team. I didn't expect them to have as much freedom as they did, but you know, Woodgate's obviously just said go out and express yourselves, and the way they lined up, um, I thought they looked good in midfield. Um, yeah, they just yeah, you, know, you, you score three goals away from home, you expect to win, but that's credit to Luton, really. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Hayden Colson looked really good at left did, back did, for yeah. Borough. Uh, he won the penalty as well. I'm not sure how much he's going to play this season because they've obviously got George Friends and Mark Boller has signed from yeah. Blackpool's, but he, he impressed me. No, definitely. That's sort of what you want, I guess, from a, from a young player coming in, especially a, a full-back. And Borough have got such a good track record of bringing through academy players. Um, I expect him to, to sort of go on and kick on just because Borough youngsters do. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Sonny Bradley with an absolute wonder goal for Luton. Yes. That was his first goal for Luton. He didn't score once last season. 
brilliant. It's yeah, fantastic. Unreal. Uh, looting keeper though, Simon Sluger didn't have a great debut. I would say that is one of the worst mistakes I've ever seen, just because. It's straight at him, and Asombolongo has put absolutely no power into that shot at all. Uh, it, w- it was a bad mistake, definitely. But he recovered. terrible mistake. He recovered well. He, he did. You know, he kept he kept Burr out for the, apart from the other two goals, obviously. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not. I'm not as convinced as you are. I'm, that's not what you want to see from your new keeper, especially when he's your record signing. Yeah, either. I mean, there's there's been a lot of new keepers this season, bizarrely, um, for teams. It mm. uh, doesn't normally happen this this much. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, coming from the Croatian league, he's, he's got to bed in a bit. Bit of a baptism of fire. Um, you know, Friday night on telly, Luton's first game back in the Championship. Perhaps blood just rushed to his head. Maybe. Thought. But I think overall, Luton didn't look out of place in the Championship, even though they, they did, did lose uh, Jack Stacey and James Justin. Uh, they look really good again. They 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 grew into the game. They looked like they were going to win it towards the end. James Collin. Uh, James Collins was outstanding, um, leading the line, um, and I was I was very impressed with Callum McManaman, which you seem to you wrote him off. Well, it's just I'm not convinced <clears throat> that he has ever lived up to the hype that he once had when he was a younger he uh, youngster. He did yesterday. Sorry, Friday. Friday. Oh, come on now. Uh, let's quickly touch on Huddersfield Derby then, mm-hmm. which is the game tomorrow night. I imagine a lot of people might be listening to this after uh, the game's actually happened, so they can judge how good we are at judging teams. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Derby's transfers have been very impressive. Uh, Matt Clark and Christian Bielik have both come in. Very exciting, isn't it? Yeah. They were two of the standout players in the Championship League One last season. Yeah, no, definitely. And we, We're we huge fans of Matt Clark. He's, he's a ball-playing centre-half, and he's an absolute tank as well. And he will head bricks. He will head bricks. Mm. He looks like it. Yeah. Which is not a very nice thing to say, but that's what you want a centre half to look like. <laughs> you sound like a. <laughs> it's another stereotype, isn't yes, it? Yes. <laughs> a football fan from the 60s Lovely. who. Oh, midfield's not got any bite. Terry Butcher. All, all this tippy tappy stuff. Okay, yeah, uh, anyway, going back to it. Anyway, um, I mean, two very impressive signings for Derby, and I've suddenly gone from not being too optimistic about Derby to thinking. Top six, yeah. I mean, there's still maybe one or two players short from from breaching that, but they look a lot more solid than they did. Um, I I fully expected Matt Clark to go to Bristol City. That that transfer made complete sense. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, obviously, going on loan from Brighton, Webster going to Brighton, it made sense. But Derby have snuck in there, got an absolute player on their hands, and obviously Biliak as well. Who I've seen the YouTube reels. He tackles, he heads it. Defensively, he's great. You know, he starts attacks. It's what Derby's midfield has been crying out for for years. But they they both fill gaps, basically, don't they? Definitely. Because when you talk about Derby, who will play four three three next season, the three, the two, well, three glaring um, gaps in that team were centre back, mm-hmm. holding midfielder, and a winger. Mm-hmm. And Koku has said they're expecting four new players, including. Yep. Clark and Bielik, so I imagine a winger will be in there. He'll be interesting to see what the other one is, possibly a goalkeeper. Um, right then, score prediction. I I think it's going to be 2-2. I, it's got drawing all over it. Huddersfield, um, you know, they've done good business. They they seem more settled than, than Fulham do, not as much as Cardiff. 
Um, but then again, you know, the teams that have come down have had a bad weekend. So yeah, you know, Derby might nick a win, but I think it's I think it's going to be two two. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see if Clark and Bielik play because if they do, I'd feel a lot more comfortable about Derby's chances in this game as opposed to George Evans playing there, who has played most of pre-season there. And that's saying something considering they've only just joined the other day. But I'm, I don't know. I'd say probably a draw as well. I was thinking this has got Huddersfield win written all over it, but we'll have to see. I think that the the two transfers Derby brought in changes expectation. They might not start, as you say. Mm. Um, I think they've got to. Which might shift the expectation, but, you know, Huddersfield, you hope they score some goals? Well with Carl and Grant who we don't stop going on about <laughs> they definitely will whether, whether any of the other players in the team fancy chipping in a bit we'll have to wait and see uh, but that just about sums up all the matches at this weekend mm. so let's talk about some of the more interesting things we've seen <laughs> over the past week been a weird week I think the headline news from this week without a doubt is Wigan's new mascot it's um, it's a pie it's a pie it's a big old it's pie. Crusty the pie. Crusty the pie man. Which, in if you have a bit of a dirty mind, then it may seem a bit dodgy. Oh, yeah, a bit strange. But, um, yeah. I mean, what is your favourite mascot out of Boiler Man from West Brom and Pie Man for Wigan? I feel like this is the most important question of the day. I like boilers. I don't like pies. So you're going Boiler Man? Boiler Man. I do like the fact Boiler Man didn't have a face because if he did have a face it would have been a bit of a turn off for me but the big face on Pie Man It's a happy pie It is a happy pie It's always If there's a minute silence with that pie on the end (laughs) (laughs) I hadn't thought about that that Twitter account with the uh, mascots in the minute silence Oh Oh, no Don't do it It's a happy pie No Oh no uh, next, uh, Robbie Keane being a bit of a dick. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if if you haven't seen this. Robbie Keane was basically asked about his initiation song mm-hmm. that he did because he only he's only just joined with uh, Jonathan Woodgate's coaching staff, and he said he's not a singing puppet or something like that. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just a joke, Robbie. Come on. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Craig Hope's a pretty good. You know, pretty substantial journalist in the world of football. Yeah, um, he's not taking the piss out of you, Robbie. Come on, no, he's just asking a question. And Robbie Keane, throughout his career, has always been a pretty jovial character. Why turn into a tosser the moment you move into coaching? Do you think he forgot he's Robbie Keane and thought he was Roy Keane? Oh, <laughs> I mean, they're both Irish. They're both they're both Keanes. You know, both start with R as well. Yeah, exactly. You might get confused. Yeah, I mean, it, it does happen. It does happen. Um, I don't know if you saw this, but um, yeah. next on Swansea put out a post saying many thought cricket came home at the weekends but now you can buy this product I can't remember what the product was I'm not going to give them the satisfaction but their products. it seems like Swansea for that minuscule moment forgot that they're not English <laughs> many oh, uh, right. many well, Swansea fans pointed out that they are in fact Welsh and that for them cricket didn't come home hmm. bit problematic thought, yeah well, they're in the English League, so I'm sure many Swansea fans don't want to be identified as English. No, no, no. Um, 
I haven't actually put this in the running order, but in Luton, Middlesbrough on Friday night, oh, yeah. the, uh, they, their, what they called digital sponsor boards yeah, or whatever, they realised less than 24 hours before the game that this is going to obstruct a few fans' <laughs> view of the game. It's, just, it's weird, because the moment they get put down, I, I, I'll I go and sit in a seat and go, can I see? No, I can't. Wait, no. Hang on a minute. What, what, what are we going to do here? This is a bit of a problem. And when I've sat in the stands mm. at Kenilworth Road, and when you are right at the front, yeah, it's... you are so close to the pitch. Yeah. The players' like groins are pretty much in your face. <laughs> that, that's what we're talking about here. So for them to suddenly realise, hang on a sec, these digital boards are going to just make some fans' view of the game. It's a lot of seats, isn't it? It is. That's going to have restricted viewing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's poor, but you know they, they addressed it, they apologised. Move on. Don't put them in next <laughs> Move time. Move on, guys. And then just finally, this is possibly the most interesting one of all. I don't remember if you saw this video where the Australian referees had um, the... You could hear what they were saying, basically, yeah. and on TV. And that referee is now in the championship. He was in charge of Barnsley Fulham. He's Australian? Yeah. That's weird. I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how it works because I don't think I've ever heard of anything like this before where... A referee from an, another country gets poached to referee in England, but I mean, why not <laughs> transfer fee? I mean, it's it's making refereeing a bit more interesting. There's an Australian around now. He's used to gobby Aussies. That's another stereotype. What, you are on oh one today. God, yeah, I am. I, I'm going to stop. Yeah, I'm going to stop. Have you like become part of? <laughs> Are you part of the right-wing media on Twitter? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. <laughs> I don't think they stereotype Millwall being her mostly headed team. No, no, absolutely not. Right, well, it means it's time for our new feature, Justin. I can't wait for this one. We haven't mentioned this yet. It's the Craig Bryson pub quiz. Absolutely. I can sense the excitement from our listeners. I've I've been waiting. I've been looking forward to this. Um, just, so, yeah, sorry. so the way it works is Justin has picked a player. It's going to rotate each week, so mm-hmm. I'll pick one for Justin next week. But Justin comes up with a player, a championship legend. Absolutely. He's going to give me six clues. and Five clues. Five clues. Mm-hmm. Oh, you've, you... I said, I said. I said it'll be five you clues. Six bastard. is too many. Six is too many, and it's okay. a weird number. Okay, I'll let you off. Um, the only rule with this is that they've got to have made over 200 mm-hmm. championship appearances. Yeah. And to a degree, they've got to have been from last 20 years or so because yeah. we're both young men <laughs> I, I won't be able to tell you who played in the second tier of football in the 70s so yeah. hopefully you didn't sound very convinced it's not from the 70s is he? No he's not no, Okay good no, good, good right fantastic I mean, He might have been born in the 70s Okay hit me go on Just just one thing the reason why it's called Craig Bison Pub Quiz is one you know they've got to be a cool player from the championship they, they need to have had some success in the league mm. without really making a name for themselves in any other league there we go. There we go. Okay, hit right. me. Right, let me find the clues. Well, that would be a good start. Yep, I've lost them. Oh, flipping egg. Right. Are you going to see it? Are you going to see it? Okay, right. cool. First clue. I played for three teams in the championship, making 245 appearances and scoring 82 goals. Okay, so 245 appearances and mm-hmm. 82 goals. We're talking someone who's 
either a bang average striker or a midfielder who scores a few goals. Uh, okay, I'll take a stab in the dark at John Stead. I won promotion to the Premier League twice with QPR and Cardiff. So I won I won promotion once with QPR, I won promotion once with Cardiff. Okay. I feel like that is a massive clue. And this should come to my head, but nobody at this moment <laughs> in time is springing to mind. I'll I'll take a gamble and just say a random player now so I can think about it a bit more and listen to the next clue. And say somebody like I'm struggling to think of players who played. Do you want the next clue? I feel like I should be taking a gamble anyway. All right, go for it. Okay, you just got to hurry up. I, I can't think of anyone who's played for Cardiff and QPR, let alone who's got promoted with them as well. Okay, I'm gonna oh flipping egg. Bobby Zamora. No. I last played in the championship in twenty uh, in the 2012-2013 season where I won promotion for the second and final time with Cardiff. Okay. So it's from that team under Malky Mackay. Mm-hmm. I'm really struggling to think who played in that team. Oh, We're going to have to time this. You're taking far too long. I'm sorry. All I can think of is who was playing in the team when they were actually in the Premier League. And I keep thinking of who was the big lanky striker they had, Cornelius. No, it wasn't. Really. No, well he wasn't playing. Oh, okay, that's my guess. Right. Give me another clue. I'm best known for my spell at Watford, where I scored sixty-six goals, and I'm also in their Hall of Fame. Sixty-six goals. Yeah. Watford, Cardiff, QPR. QPR. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Oh, someone nearly came to my head then, but I've completely <laughs> forgotten who it is. Ah, okay. Oh, flipping egg. Their, their spell at Watford was in the mid-noughties. Right. Okay. There's going to be people listening to this who are just shouting yep. at me right now, but no one is coming to mind. I've absolutely frozen. Go on, last clue. I'm a full international for Iceland with 55 caps and 12 goals. Oh, um, oh that's it. It's... Um, Helgerson and yeah, it is. Thank God I got that. <laughs> Flipping heck. I was panicking then. I was really panicking. I mean, if you hadn't said he played for Iceland, I'd have been in an absolute tiff. But thank I'd, God I got that. I don't think it was a bank average striker. I think it was a great striker. He was a target man. Yeah, I completely forgot to play for QPR. Yeah. Yeah, he went up with him, which surprised me. Yeah. But it was, it was, it was, a, it was a Neil Warnock team, so strikers, strikers, yeah, strikers. Point. As many strikers as he can get. Absolutely. Well, thank you for listening to the first second tier podcast episode of the new season. Brilliant. How exciting. It's gone well. Let's, let's do it again next week, Justin. I hope so. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Support comes from ServiceNow, the AI platform for business transformation. You've heard the hype around AI. The truth is, AI is only as powerful as the platform it's built into. ServiceNow is the platform that puts AI to work for people across your business, removing friction and frustration for your employees, supercharging productivity for your developers, providing intelligent tools for your service agents to make customers happier all built into a single platform you can use right now. 
That's why the world works with ServiceNow. Visit servicenow.com slash AI for people to learn more.